Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner. I'm joined, joined as always with co-host Tanner Bortnam, JD, certified financial planner and financial expert. Uh, Tanner, uh, welcome to episode 45. Um, I feel like uh, there are things throughout the week and in the, the weeks um, when we're not recording that I always see and want to, oh, I'm going to bring that up to Tanner and ask him. And then I forget to write it down and I forget altogether. And I know I had at least two or three this, uh, this last week I was going to ask you, but can't remember them. So, uh, we'll just jump right into <laughs> what we're going to talk to talk about. I should probably do a better job of doing that. And I don't yeah, know, write those down. A note. um, yeah. So maybe you'll cover them indirectly with, uh, episode 45, uh, uh market update quarter two coming to you in the middle of 2023 in July, the middle of July. Um, apologies for a little bit of time off for us. Um, enjoying the summer a little bit and we missed an episode. So if well you noticed vacation, we appreciate you. If yes. you didn't notice, well, just, you know, continue, continue <laughs> on. Um, so yeah. Um, any, do you want to share anything fun with your, your vacations? Uh, no, it was just nice. Nice to have some time off, um, you know, be able to relax before, uh, you know, for any, any clients, obviously that listen to this, you know, they, they know we're, we're in the grind, uh, cause TD Ameritrade for people who may not know this TD Ameritrade got purchased by Charles Schwab and, uh, you know, that merger is happening. And so all advisors who used to work with TD Ameritrade had to decide whether, you know, where they're going to go because their custodian went away. Um, so we're, we're in the grind of that moving, moving clients over. So, uh, you know, to our new custodian, but besides that, it was nice to have some time off ahead of that and be able to, you know, kind of prepare for, for the months of July and August here. They're going to be super busy. Right on. I'm all switched over and looking forward to, to everything in the, the new custodian. So pretty seamless. Uh, yeah, it'll be nice when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> the days are getting shorter and the snow will soon fly. It'll be quick as we wrap up market or update to quarter two. You won't get snow, but no. <laughs> All right, let's jump in. Federal interest hikes. Let's talk about those two more uh, hikes. Talk about that for us. Yeah, so uh, you're just kind of laying this out so everyone knows we're talking quarter two so um you know april april may and june of 2023 um there you go probably want to switch the (laughs) screens out yep hey it's been a while it's been a while yep we had some time off um so yeah there's there's two more rate hikes um and and then they paused in june so they did nothing in june Uh, we had a rate hike in april and may and then um like I said, a pause in June. So now we're up to 
you know, the five to 5.25 range in the federal, um, federal funds rate. And it is, uh, you know, the, the pause in June is, is a good sign. Um, you know, I know we've been talking about that a lot in our quarterly updates that it'd be, or any of our episodes about, uh, inflation and, and rate hikes that it would be nice for my thoughts are, it'd be nice for the fed to take a pause and let some of the data catch up since, most of the data takes you know six to nine months to work itself into the economy. Um, so here we sit in July. We're starting to see the you know ramifications of what happened in what uh, October through January of last year. You know, and there's a lot of rate hikes yet to come come down the pipeline um, that have already happened, but haven't fully worked themselves into the market. So it's nice that they took a little pause, let a little bit more of the data come in, and lo and behold. Um, you know, some data came in uh, just last week that inflation continues to come down. Uh, it's currently at 3.8%. Again, this is the beginning of July, um, but it's good. That's good data. We're, we're trending in the right direction. Uh, you know, it's not at the 2.0 mark that the Fed targets, but it at least is, you know, moving in the right direction. It continues to be sticky. It's not transitory like they said at the beginning it's 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 sticky and um you know energy prices coming down oil prices coming down in the the second quarter of the year here have really helped that um so if you take those out and you take out food which is pretty volatile um, i think we're closer to four and a half percent something like that roughly again still plenty high um and, and a lot higher than the Fed's 2.0 mark, but making progress from you know the seven, eight, nine that we were, you know, a mere six, six to nine months ago. What was it uh, last quarter? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, no, uh, I don't know the exact numbers. I believe in March we were probably sitting around the five point five maybe five, 5.5 mark, somewhere around there for inflation. I, I don't recall exactly what it is. Um, but again, we're, we're making progress and that's, that's a good thing. Um, but there, you know, there's still more work to do. And as we've ta- uh, talked about on previous episodes, it's, you know, does that mean the work has already been done because we still have rate hikes that have happened that haven't fully worked themselves into the economy have they done enough do they need to do more rate hikes or as we always talk about the mon- uh, money supply m2 you know the monetary policy that they can tighten as well and they have been tightening that and we're not you know i feel like a broken record saying this that we don't ever really get a lot of news or questions for you know jerome powell when he goes before uh, you know, anybody really on the money supply and they have been tightening it slowly. That also helps put the clamps on the economy. So we're still kind of in this waiting game. We're closer, you know, we're closer to the end of the game, um, where we're going to know whether it turned out okay. And they had this safe landing or whether they, you know, overcooked it and overshot the runway. Um, we're like I said, we're we're closer to that than obviously we were six months ago, but we're still, we we still don't know. And consensus from the Fed is they believe they're going to have to raise rates two more times by the end of the year. 
and then hold the rates higher for longer. Um, again, who knows whether they do that? Who knows whether um, they do one? Maybe do they do three? You know, we don't know. That's obviously up to them. But that's what they are telling us is that they expect to raise rates two more times by the end of the year. And then hopefully inflation follows suit and we get that down and reined in. And then at that point, are we at a point where we can kind of close the pandemic book and move on? (laughs) Or is that uh, kind of overgeneralizing? Uh, I think that's a really great question, actually. Um, I would hope so, uh, you know, but the the problem is, is, you know, inflation is driven off of spending. You know, it's driven off of money that goes into, you know, into the economy. And, you know, Congress continues to spend at, at a rapid fire rate. Now they talk about how they've lowered the deficit, you know, from last year by 10% or something like that. It's like, well, whoop-de-doo. I mean... If if you if you set the record last year for spending the most ever, and then you reduce it by ten percent, you're still spending a ton of money. You're still you know the deficit is still gigantic. Um, so you know it really just depends. To be very honest, what scares me is um, two years from now. Well, not quite year and a half from now, we have an election, and what we saw a year ago about this time going into the fall. And again, not trying to get into any actual politics of right side versus left side, just who was happened to be in charge at the time was the Democrats. And they passed a bunch of spending bills right before the election. Now, was that to get the bills passed before potentially losing power? I'm sure there was some of that. Was that to potentially try to buy votes because they were getting a bunch of money out to people and a lot of spending in that regard? potentially does that happen again you know a year from now heading into the next election it'll be a little bit harder because we have a split congress but you know that's that's the part where congress likes to you know wash their hands of this and blame it on you know all this corruption in the business world and and there is some there's profit gouging there's all sorts of things like that that are going on but you know, to sit there and just point the finger and say that none of this is their fault is, I think, pretty foolish. Um, you know, their their spending is a significant portion of inflation. So if we can get that reined in, um, you know, I think we can close the book on, you know, as you said, the, the pandemic. But if not, I mean, the Fed may have to hold rates pretty high for a while just because there, there more money keeps getting put into the the economy, um, you know, by the government and spending, and thus they have to slow down the spending by keeping interest rates higher. So, hopefully, hopefully, I guess long long winded answer to, hopefully, we'll be able to close the book soon. That's good. That's good. Uh, let's talk about market performance and and how the markets have had. Um, a, a great start to uh, the year twenty twenty three. Yeah, they really have. Um, it's, I mean, being very honest, this is, you can go back and listen to some of our episodes at the beginning of the year. Uh, I did not expect this at all. Um, you know, I'll gladly admit when I'm wrong in this regard when it's, uh, I didn't expect them to go up and they did. Happy accident. Um, it's, yeah, it's okay, been a. Bob a, Ross. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I'd rather have a happy accident of. 
of uh, thinking markets may not do so well and, and they go up rather than the other way and losing clients money. Um, but it's been great. Uh, it's, it really has. It's been a good, um, you know, really good start to the year. I, I, sure there are people out there going to say, yeah, yeah, I predicted this, but those are people that probably think it's always going to go up as we've talked about. There's people that think it's always going to go up or always going to go down. Um, the, some of the things though, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I mean, the results are in for the first half and, and like we've said, it's, it's been great. However, um, where I get some caution is, is that it's been, um, you know, it's been a very narrow market. Now, some of this data is, is from the you know middle of June. So, you know, we're about a, they haven't re-updated it yet, uh, as of when we're recording this. So it's about a month old, but it, it still is, is fairly accurate. Um, and you know, it's, it's a very, what they call a very narrow market. So in the S and P 500, obviously there's 500 stocks that comprise that, and it is a market weighted index. And so the bigger the company, the bigger the position that they have in the S&P 500. So Apple, for example, gigantic company just went over $3 trillion of value as a company. They're going to have a big position. And of the S&P 500, so of those 500 stocks, seven of them uh, account for 30% of the market weight. So seven out of 500 are 30% of the weight of the S&P 500. And those seven also account for almost all of the gains of the S&P 500 up to this point. If you look at the other 493, they're pretty flat. Um, you know, the rest of the market hasn't been nearly as good as those big seven. Um, you know, the big seven, NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Meta, and Tesla have had amazing years. Um, all of them, some of them have had uh, you know, really, really amazing years like NVIDIA. Um, but they just, they have so much power and so much weighting that they can pull the S&P around, really. I mean, those seven, and they are. They're pulling the S&P up while the rest of the companies are, you know, they're doing okay and but they're they're pretty flat, you know, on on the year, the rest of the S and P, and that's the part where I get a little cautious, because when you have a very narrow market like that, if those seven companies start to slow down, well, now the cracks in the armor start to show because the rest, the other four hundred and ninety three companies need to start pulling their weight. Well, if they're not doing as well. Now you you know may have the S and P five hundred slow down, and you know as those companies I listed out, they're all in tech. So the Nasdaq has had an amazing year too. It's up I think over thirty percent so far this year. That's huge, 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 huge. But it's all tech. You know, it's big tech and AI. There's been this huge AI craze. I'm sure everyone's heard about it. Chat GPT. We've done episodes on it. You know, way back at the beginning of the year. Um, and there's this huge movement, fear of missing out, you know, and getting into a lot of these companies that deal with AI, um, you know, kind of like the Bitcoin craze from four years ago and the GameStop craze. I mean, there's always these things and I'm not saying AI is going to fizzle out like some of those have, those other ones have. I think it is, it's here, but, you know, it may be a little premature that people are running some of these companies up this high. So, um, 
I think that's something to keep in mind and and to watch for uh, is hopefully seeing the you know, the market start to broaden and some of these other industries start to pick up and the other 493 companies in the S&P 500 start to you know gain a little traction and if we start to see that market broaden it's not just big tech AI companies pulling it then that gives a lot more confidence but I I don't think we are out of the woods yet so to speak if we very well you know may go into a recession a lot of people are still predicting that they've just moved their timeline back from um you know the end of this year to start of next year so it's still very well in play that that could happen um so i just want to make sure you know for any of our listeners don't don't get a false sense of security just because we've had this huge run up in a certain area of the market to start this year you know that we, we're we're not out of the woods yet but does that surprise you knowing that so much of our daily lives is comprised of big tech and and softwares and it bleeds into other other industries does it is it kind of re recomputing itself just because technology is always just going to be that big 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 giant so does it is it all that surprising that that much weight is coming from those big companies no no um you know those seven sometimes they only look at five of them or ten of them but um you know those seven have probably comprised anywhere between 20 and 30 percent at a given time of the s p 500 over the last decade um so that part isn't the the weighting that they have in there isn't the um isn't the part that that's abnormal what's abnormal is the fact that nvidia is up 150 plus percent and apple's up you know apple let's see apple amazon google are all up over 30 percent tesla's up huge. you know i don't know exactly what all of these are um but they're all up huge that's the part that those seven compared to the rest of the market it's um that that's that's what is the abnormal part you have you know you can call them the magnificent seven again that's an old term from a previous you know decades ago of of seven other stocks before um but you can those seven stocks are are really pulling that that's what i'm trying to say is it's not the way i'm i use the weighting to explain how they have so much power over the s p 500 but it's to make sure we don't fall into a false sense of what's happening because same thing let's let's flip it right if those seven start doing poorly but the other 493 start doing well okay well there's still 70 percent of the you know of the s p that can do okay the risk is with the other 493 not doing that great right now all being combined pretty flat maybe even slightly down for the year but everyone looking at the S&P 500 and saying, okay, this thing's up 11, 12, 13% so far, we're out of the woods. And it's like, well, we're not because it's 500 companies, but seven of them are what is, you know, basically what you're looking at that's causing that to be up that high. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and then we, we kind of teased a little bit uh, earlier with uh, some of the um, political um, forecasting in the next couple of years, but uh we had uh, some some news out of uh, the White House Supreme Court overruling Biden admin student loan forgiveness. Uh, let's talk about that. 
Yeah, yeah. So for any of our listeners, um, if you have student loans, obviously I'm sure you're aware of this, but uh, just in case, um, the Supreme Court overruled uh, the Biden administration um, and their plan, uh, what you know, to give the ten thousand and up to maybe twenty thousand per borrower um, across the nation for student loans forgiveness. Uh, they said he does not have the authority to do so. Uh, I don't think that that should shock a lot of people, to be very honest. Um, looking actually at the statutes, it is pretty evident he does not have that authority. Um, you know, when you talk with lawyers and people that are in that area that do that a lot, um, it was, I feel like even in the Biden camp, I feel like they're going to say that this is upsetting and this is politically motivated and yada yada. But I think that they um, had to have known this was coming because they already have a second plan out within a matter of a week. So, um, you know, they're trying a, a different route now. Um, so anyways, where, we're, where we stand right now is interest will start accruing again. It's, it's frozen still, but interest on any of those loans is going to start accruing again on September 1st. And then and how long has that been frozen? Since COVID, uh, yeah, yeah, since uh, I don't twenty, well, twenty twenty for sure. So I don't March or June or ish range of of twenty twenty. So for three years, no interest has been owed on that, um, which in and of itself is a huge blessing, right? You had an interest free loan for three years, and um, hopefully you know, you're making payments. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, but again, uh, so that starts interest starts September one. And payments will start um, in October. And, and again, there are some things that they've put out, you know, in case you're having trouble making payments starting in October. They're given kind of a little bit of another grace period and whatnot. Um, so look into that if that happens to be you. But just wanted to make sure that we did talk about that because that's, a, you know, a big one here for financial planning and for, uh, you know, some of our younger listeners that may have the, the student loans. I do not miss those. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. It's uh only way you get rid well, at least when I had them, the only way you got rid of them was dying. Um now I think they are trying to make it where you could file bankruptcy and get rid of them, but still what? I don't know if yeah. I don't know if that I, I don't know if that is going through. I I was just reading an article that I I believe they're trying to make that a potential avenue, which I think is a bad move to allow a young person to file bankruptcy, discharge student loans, not pay them back when you may or may not have any credit. So you're not really ruining a ton at that point right. in terms of your credit. Um, but there are there obviously are some negative things. You have to report that for 10 years and it's not like that should be taken lightly by any means, but the the risk factor of a young person at age... 22 filing bankruptcy is significantly less to them in their lifetime than a 45 year old person doing it. So, um, hmm. yeah, we'll see if that, that happens or not, but, um, yeah, that's the that update might be, on uh, student loans. A standalone. Yeah, but, well, yeah. I mean, if it, if it gets allowed well, or whatever, added filing it in general, maybe, but I don't on know. Production meeting. Yeah, we chat about it, but probably not. Because to be honest, I don't, I don't want to ever have any client that files bankruptcy. So I, I really don't want to 
even waste my time figuring out how it works because that's not the goal is to not <laughs> goal is to have a good plan Touché. and never have to worry about that. Very good. Anything else you want to add on this episode before we uh, close up? No, no, that's, that's it. Um, not a ton in this quarter. Just keep, um, keep plugging along with your financial plan. That's, and, uh, we're, we're not quite out of the woods. Just don't, don't, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. Just don't, don't, uh, don't jump in with, with both feet just yet. Very good, sir. Uh, we hope this episode has been helpful. As always, uh, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, give us a question or comments. You can email us at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. We're also on YouTube. So uh, if you are watching us on YouTube, go ahead and click that bell and subscribe. And we'll see you and you'll hear us in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com. 